What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua, and welcome to the final a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. I'm so excited to have you here uh, for this last broadcast. No, I'm not done broadcasting whatsoever. Uh, but one of the, the beauties of having our own network and getting to create shows for a living, <laughs> or not, well, yeah, I guess it's for a living. Yeah, I get to do it for a living. You get to do a lot of cool, fun things. I mean, that's what the, the power of media does. It just allows you to have endless opportunities. And, you know, with each opportunity, a new creative, you know, something is born inside of me. And anyway, long story short, I've created a bunch of different programs, done them all, loved them. And then I get to a place, it's like, eh, okay, I'm bored. I want to do something else. But in this case, it wasn't about boredom. Um, this was, it was just time. And I'm really excited for what I'm going to be doing next. It'll be on this network, the LiveMana network, which, wait, I did it again. That barcode right there. You can find links to download our app uh, on your phone, your phone's app stores, but also your smart TVs, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire. You can find our app there and watch us on our TV. And my wife says I look bigger on the big screen, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, so happy to have you here. This is going to be a lot of fun. And really, it's the perfect ending. It's the perfect show to end with because of all the subjects that we've covered on a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund and really even Gratitude Unfiltered and the other programs before have all kind of, you know, bubbled to the surface and, to, and it's kind of shaped and like how the rocks are formed and, you know, just nature is, is shaped the way that it is. And boy, I need to watch more of the Nature Channel anyway, uh, so I could do better on my descriptives there. But that said... It's 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 really come to this this place to end on the topic of love and love I love in a way that I believe God intends love to not just be talked about but to be embraced to live to be to live out to walk out to be a a um, a mindset it's it's perfect because we've covered all of these crazy subjects. We've, I mean, we've we've been a part of what we thought were good broadcast and come to find out we were elevating a, a scam artist, but we've learned something from that. We've learned from dealing with frauds. We've learned from dealing with fake human trafficking victims and real ones. We've learned from working with people that say they were, you know, victimized by CPS and we worked with the people that really have and, and want. There's been a lot of lessons learned here, a lot of growth, um, a lot of uh, clearing of the eyes, and um, and it's time, and I'm excited, and I'm excited because it's all come to this, and I am so grateful that you guys have been so supportive of both Spoken Word and this program because we're leading into something which is really a full-spectrum version of everything that I've wanted to do creative, creatively, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for your support, and I'm really, really excited about what's next. Also, last thing uh, before we do our commercial, um, we have a media training, and I don't like to timestamp these interviews, but this will be an evergreen training. But we're doing it live. Today is the 26th, so it'll be the 27th at 1 p.m. Central. So you guys will be seeing this, uh, you know, today, tomorrow, and whenever. Just know that this training will be available on our website, which you can also find by scanning that barcode. 
or just go to livemana.org. But this is a full media and broadcasting training. So we're going to show you everything that's possible with new media, where we're going uh, with the new technologies, where what technology is taking us. Um, it's going to be a very powerful training. It's going to be very thorough. And uh, there's going to be a lot of bonuses in there. There's no charge for this. There'll never be a charge for it. This is part of the work that we do at the Lip Mono Worldwide Foundation. Uh, we believe that media is the most powerful thing in the world that you can learn, other than the fact that God loves you and God has a purpose for you. Um, media is one of the most power is the most powerful thing that you can learn. And coming into this new world where there's a lot of uncertainty, financial uh, uncertainty, and also, uh, well, I guess today they announced that there's a recession, whatever that actually means, because they're going to change the definition anyway. Um, the point is that, you know, with media, it creates opportunities, multiple earning opportunities. And we are very passionate about teaching this because for people that don't have an education, for people that have bad, troubled past like myself, that really can't get a, you know, a decent, well-paying job to provide for my family, wait, especially with jobs becoming so scarce, um, I do have the luxury of knowing media and knowing everything that's possible with media. And, and of course, everything that's possible changes and grows every day because with media, there's just endless opportunity available for each of us. And the best part about it is you can use your intellectual property to, to really provide for your family. You can use your intellectual property and life experiences to live the life of your dreams regardless of your past, regardless of your education level. I started cheating in first grade. Like, I don't even know, I barely know basic math at this point, but I've been very, very fortunate to learn media and, uh, and see what's all possible for that. So I want to encourage you to be a part of this training because it is going to be powerful. I actually put together a PowerPoint for this and, uh, which I normally don't do. This is my first one. And I got really excited about it. And that's kind of what inspired some of these new changes. Uh, anyway, I, I've gone on too much. But ladies and gentlemen, you guys are in for a really special treat today because I think right now the only chance that we have of healing this earth and healing the, the people that dwell on this earth is with a supernatural love. But I believe with all my heart that it starts with us and we have just an incredible human. I checked out his website for a little bit yesterday and was just blown away um, with what he's up to, what he's about. And, and look, I can't tell you that I agree with every single thing that he says or believes. It's, it's not about that, but what he has to say is important. And I feel like what he has to say is going to click for a lot of people and I think it's going to break the walls off around that are that is surrounded people's hearts right now, because I think people are afraid to love. I think people are afraid to trust. I think people are just have just forgotten really what love is. And we need that desperately. And I believe in the next coming months, we're going to need it more than ever before. So this is a timely message. Uh, you guys are in for something really extraordinary. And this is just a beautiful way to end it. So ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after these messages.
carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want the finer things, the diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the wider scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on, spill more. My mic bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor. Bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Plug up in a harlot, my battery need charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. It's some liquid from my arteries, but spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody wanna work for it. Want them all to know your name, don't wanna see no hurt for it. You wanna burn out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Joshua, and we are on a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund on the Live Mana Network. You can scan that barcode and find all of our links. But thank you for being here right now. Apologize about that little longer than usual intro. Um, I was actually talking around the words that were going to make me cry because lately I'm a sentimental boob and I can only think that is because God has been working on my heart and teaching me how to love in new ways. And dadgummit, I freaking love it. So if I cry today, oh, well, just deal with it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John David Lotta, the, the author of the synchronicity of love stories that heal, transform, and awaken. Uh, this again, like I said, this is going to be timely. It's going to be powerful, and you might want to grab some notepads because I feel like he is full of wisdom, and you're going to want to take notes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John David Lada. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Joshua? Good. Thank you for being here, sir. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love it. I love the Emerald City behind you. It looks gorgeous. Thank you. Well, you know, I was trying to find images of where you're actually from. And <laughs> I was getting, I wasn't getting what I was hoping to find. So a nice background to make you feel comfortable and to remind you of home. So ah, you did great. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Um, before we get into talking about, I think, the most important subject of all, can you tell me what you're grateful for today and why? Uh, you know, it sounds really funny. I'm grateful for the feeling of being grateful right now. I just feel gratitude permeating my body and I'm grateful for it. It feels like love to me. I think well, gratitude is an expression of love. So yeah, kind of works together. That's, an easy, that's yeah. an easy segue. Yeah. All right. So I, I just off the bat, and I haven't had the opportunity to read your book yet, although you actually have two books. Um, I haven't had a chance to read either of them, but I got to tell you, I mean, just the title alone is something. But my first question is, typically it's not, you only hear men talk about love for the most part. And I would, I would guess as a majority is if they're trying to, you know, be romantic, trying to get in someone's pants or... <laughs> they're they're trying to sound like they're romantic so they can draw in the, the the ladies or whatever they're attracted to, and so it's not a common thing for men to speak about love, especially in such a supernatural way, which I believe that you are speaking about it. So I want to know what got you to this place where 
you wanted to know, feel, and experience love on a deeper level than most of us really even try to experience as humans. Well, I'm sure you can appreciate this, Joshua, but I, uh, the doorway into it was through pain and suffering. And uh, <clears throat> 20 years ago, everything that possibly could have gone wrong in my life all went wrong at the same time. Uh, I left my really secure job, started my own company, and managed to dig myself into the hole uh, $650,000 in debt. Around that same time, my wife got cancer and decided to leave. And suddenly I was uh, uh, parent custody of two kids, 9-11, facing bankruptcy. And weirdly, uh, I was also having this unbelievable fear of death. I don't know where it came from. And so oh, I was running around behind closed doors, terrified of death and didn't even know who to talk to about it. And, um, and, you know, it just got suddenly I'm mom and dad to my kids and my company suffering. I'm feeling like bad dad, bad husband, bad everything all at once. And so um, I'd managed to keep what I call anything remotely related to spirituality and religion as far away from me as possible up to that point. And I went and signed up for a, a spiritual retreat out in the mountains um, because Michael Crichton, the author, had done the same retreat 20 years earlier. And I liked Michael Crichton. And, uh, and so I had all trust that the guy leading it wasn't some strange guru guy, and he was actually an eminent physician. And everything in my life started to change after that. And when I went there, I didn't have a lot of crazy spiritual experiences, but the first thing I realized, I didn't realize how much I kept people at a distance. And that is kind of a stereotypical guy thing. And I realized, yeah. excuse my French, I fucking love getting closer to people. I fucking love being open and vulnerable and freaking honest, you know? And so that was the doorway into where I am today. And so <clears throat> I, I think behind that, I heard you talk about it earlier, um, being afraid of love, being afraid of trust. That's been the journey more and more because it's just setting aside the fear, moving into that vulnerability, being straight and honest with people. And you can be that way because you're you're loving and you are love it's hard to put into words it's just kind of this vibe <clears throat> does that make sense uh, it, no it makes a lot of sense and it actually it sounds similar to the um the not retreat because it was a three-month intensive course that i did but it was similar it was yeah. an emotional intelligence course that yeah. broke me and I was already a man of faith, but I wasn't broken, 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 broken. <laughs> like I needed yeah. to be uh, <laughs> to become stronger because my heart was still pretty closed off. Yeah. And so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And the work that we did and the, the pain and suffering that lead, led to the breakthrough of love, that's yeah. what it was. But, you know, thinking about that. This is my closest friends, like even though I wasn't really capable of loving, loving in the way that I can now, I think about over the course of my life, all of my closest friends, I've been through some type of pain and suffering with my yeah. wife and I, you know, we've, it's been, a, we have this amazing marriage. Thank God for that marriage uh, that we have. And I was the worst in relationships, but we've experienced more hardship and craziness and, and traumas in our relationship together, but they weren't self-inflicted. They were external. And somehow that that has brought us closer 
and has taught us a deeper understanding of love. Is that kind of like what this retreat was for you? It was like this exercise of breaking you down and to, to, to make you whole again? Yeah, I think part of it was, um, yeah, that definitely happened. Um, I think I had this view of life that I needed to be perfect or I need to be better. And I thought that everybody else's life was perfect and better. And what an eye opener to find out everybody's struggling. And, and so I, I, that was, and, uh, you know, having the trust to reveal myself, you know, things I never wanted to do in my life, like ask for help. Things I never want to do, like show what I'm really feeling. You know, it was kind of like coming out of hiding, really. There's a there's a chapter in my book, True Story. Uh, I was dating a gal, and I had this chest cold for like six weeks. I couldn't seem to shake, and I was kind of an athlete at the time, and so was she. And so we went for a run on our first date, but I couldn't keep up. And she goes, you should go see my nutritionist. And I was like, well, I think I eat okay, but okay, I'll, I'll go see your nutritionist. Well, the nutritionist turned out to be a psychic and she just, her little cover is nutritionist. And I'm with her for 20 minutes and there's like this awkward silence between us. And then she suddenly blurts out, she says, you have grief trapped in your chest. And it goes all the way back to earliest childhood. And I was like, this is a gal that that's gonna tell me to eat more vegetables, you know? But you know, it rung true and I knew it. And she hands me this homeopathic remedy called lung and says, I want you to go home and do whatever you can to try and cry. You got so much grief in there, you don't even know what to do with it. And so I did know I was sometimes tear up during certain sappy movies. So, and I was single at the time. And I so went home and started watching sad movies. And it took took a little bit of practice, but all of a sudden it was like the floodgates, like I was on my hands and knees, just crying, crying. I don't know what the hell I was crying out. It was just all pent up. And I remember getting done going, wow, this feels really good. No wonder people do this, you know? It was like this huge catharsis. And so, uh, you know, I kind of had the the rigid man face on, I think, a lot of times. And so a lot of the journey has been into feeling and being okay with that. It's still not easy for me to cry openly in public, but I'm not afraid of it anymore either. That's, I've been crying. I knew, this crying thing is new for me too. Um, I remember it was a, it was about a year and a half ago and I was, you know, my marriage was new to my wife, like literally brand new. And I remember her two daughters, which I claim is my own now. Um, but I remember when they broke my heart and I've, you know, never liked kids. I struggled in every relationship. I, you know, love has been such a boring thing. And I remember when they broke my heart and I was like, Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Because normally when kids would do something that was mean, I'm like, you know what? Go after yourself, you little brat. Like, I don't want anything to do with you. And yeah. I, that's kind of how I have that attitude with my own kids. Like, I mean, honestly, I'm not proud of that. But I just didn't like children. They were annoying. They got in my way. But I was selfish. Like, I, I wanted life was about me. And, of course, you know, I, I couldn't even really take care of myself. So how in the world was going to take care of kids? Well, as <laughs> God worked on my heart, you know, then I wanted a family and then I really wanted a family and I really wanted a wife and I wanted to do things the right way finally. But I remember that day they broke my heart and I was like, oh no, I'm done. <laughs> and sure enough, every since 
I, I, my heart gets broken. I cry and then I feel better, but I, but I'm crying and my wife is a crier, but most women, I think most women are, but my point yeah. when she cries, she goes, I just need to release it. Yeah. And when I started hearing her say that it made sense to me. I just need to release it. Like this crying is an emotional breakthrough. And if I stop myself from crying because I'm a man and I'm macho and I'm six foot two and 250 pounds, I'm not going to cry. And then, and then all of a sudden I have anxiety. My heart hurts. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack if I stop it. But if I just let myself cry, I'm finding that it's strengthening do yeah. you know if there's like a psychology behind that? Yeah, well, I can tell you, uh, well, two things. There's a lot of really, really amazing spiritual books out there that say that is the journey, that we all have these sort of wounds and traumas buried inside of us, and they actually don't want to hang around. They want to release. But being that, you know, that free flow of emotion, it's hard for a lot of people, and it's you know, I'm going to gen generalize. It's generally harder for guys, but I think it's harder for some women too. You know, they kind of have that rigid masculine kind of mindset, uh, don't want to reveal themselves out of fear. And it's just one thing after another gets buried. And there's some kind of uh, all sorts of books about letting go and surrender. It's about have the experience, let the emotion come up, feel it completely and then let it go. But you don't want to get stuck there either. You don't want to get stuck in that trauma, you know, the thing that made you cry and recreate it over and over again. But you also don't want to tamp it down and suppress it either. And I think in, uh, I learned much later in Chinese medicine, um, certain emotions that are unexpressed get trapped in the organs and cause all sorts of problems. And I, I realized later there was a number of, um, medical systems that say unexpressed grief can create problems with the lungs. And remember I, and I, when I had gone to see the psychic nutritionist, I had had a whole history of colds dropping down into my chest and hanging out there for a couple of weeks. And I just thought that was normal. It took me maybe two years to be a little more free flowing with my emotions, but the chest colds are 99% gone now. And, you know, they have, you know, unexpressed anger, I think, causes problems in the liver and unexpressed, I think, or too much fear can cause problems in the kidneys. And so there really is something to be learned about just letting emotion come, let it pass through you, let it be an experience, because uh, when you tamp it down, it can cause health problems over time. Yeah, I, you know, I, the reason I like, I like talking about this and how our pain and emotions and lack of forgiveness, it shows up in our body. And that is a taboo subject amongst a lot of believers, which uh, it's I have half of my audience that is an audience of believers because I'm a follower yeah. of Jesus. And then yeah. the other half is Buddhist, atheist, Hindu and like in and, and, and new age and everything else. It's a very interesting uh, mix of people. And I love all of them. But one of the things that gets and I think the reason why I do have a diverse audience in that respect is that we do talk about these subjects. The church doesn't like to say, that, like, talk about this subject because it sounds new agey, but that's not the, the case at all. Like, yeah. our cancers and these other diseases show up that really have a lot to do with our emotions. 
the emotions that we're holding on to, the anger, the resentment, all, all this low vibrating crap. And of course, believers don't like to talk about vibrating either, but that's a, <laughs> another conversation. Anyway, um, but these are real things that, it, that are true and proven. One of my friends is, um, her name is Pamela Gregory. She's known as the forgiveness queen. And she yeah. literally goes to cancer hospitals and works with people and just walks them through the forgiveness process. And you know what happens? Terminal cancers go away. Yeah. Cancers are gone. Or it heals to a point where they no longer need to take the medications. Their lives are extended in a lot of cases. All from just forgiving. So there's something to this that we need to be paying attention to. And, and, I, and I, so I love these conversations. So for you, though, when she's telling you in your chest, like you're hanging on to this stuff, like, did you look at her like she was insane when she told you that? No. The weird thing is uh, I kind of had that ring of truth in an instant because, you know, to be honest, Joshua, uh, I had gone when everything. So this was probably two years after everything had fallen apart in my life. And it was my first time I went into therapy and my therapist put me in a group. And um, and the first thing that came out in the group was when I was an infant, I was four months old. My mother was in a near fatal car crash and in the hospital for six months. Wasn't even expected to live. And I went to live with relatives. We were living in Southern California at the time. I went to live with relatives in Seattle. And, you know, my therapist and, the, you know, the group is like, oh, that probably had a profound effect on you. You didn't bond with your mother. You weren't connected to your mother. It's like, I can't be. I don't remember any of that. I was a little baby. But maybe it did. Because the, the nutritionist said there's something, there's early, there's grief chopped in your body all the way going back to early childhood. Something with you and your mother. And, and it just popped in my head like, huh. You know, because they talk about there's a conscious mind and unconscious mind. You know, if I had some kind of, um, you know, let's call it a sense of not bonding with my mother or abandonment or whatever you want to call it, it was entirely unconscious to me. Like, I didn't remember anything prior to, say, age three. But, you know, the more I kind of opened my mind, the more I went, you know, maybe that's a possibility. And, you know, my dad was, he was a Marine and an engineer. And he, <laughs> neither of my parents expressed a lot of emotion or tears. And, uh, and so it, let's just say it wasn't encouraged or it wasn't something that, that my family did. It's ironic. My dad's Italian. I was like, where's your, where's your passion? <laughs> so, but anyway, so that's so, not true. Nah, not my case. Not my dad's case. No, yeah. maybe it's a Northern Italian, Southern Italian thing. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but, uh, um, there, you know, I want to, I want to segue into this, uh, you know, uh, listen to you talk about your audience, believers, non-believers. So Edgar Casey is the greatest Christian mystic probably in history, but a lot of Christians don't read his stuff and a lot of them do. And, you know, he was a great healer. A lot of people came to Edgar Casey and asked for a reading, uh, when they had some kind of medical difficulty that, that regular doctors couldn't solve. And there's literally, I think, almost 10,000 recorded readings in the Edgar Casey Museum. And one of the things he, it, they call him today the godfather of holistic medicine, because one of the things his readings said, problems come from some really basic things, crappy diet. There really were clients that he read for that ate nothing but white bread and bacon all the time. 
exercise, <laughs> exercise, but what he really called movement, just moving the body, uh, undiagnosed injuries. But here's the big one. Um, coming back to you talking about forgiveness, he had people that, you know, one lady said, you know, I've had all, I forget what her health problems were. And he said, you've been angry at your ex-husband for 20 years. You got to give it up. You're killing your body. And so um, coming full circle, coming back to this thing about forgiveness, and we all have kind of little buried wounds and traumas and stuff like that. I think the more, the best way I can put it, if you really want to know God intimately, it's more a question of letting go and forgiving than it is chasing anything. There's a, just a bunch of stuff we all have in us that's blocking it. Okay. Does that make okay? Oh, I'm so glad you, you because you reminded me of the word mystic. And this is, first of all, how do you define the word mystic? Well, a lot of, oh God, that's a great question. So how I define it is um, I'm able to get information from something other than just my memory or my mind. And so some people call it God. Some people call it Jesus. Some people call it your higher self. Some people messages from the soul. Some people call it, I get messages from guides or angels. But these this information that you can't get from a book or from just your regular head is very helpful. And yeah. So now for some people, a mystic means they can tune into oneness and, and it's beauty and peace. But that's, for me, it's more like, like this Edgar Casey. There's there's more information out there. Can you access it? Yeah, and I, so I this is again why I love having these conversations that break outside of the walls of the church. Yeah, because it's important to have these conversations. Because first and foremost, I, I want to make this part clear, and I think some of my audience knows this. But the Bible that most of us read is not the complete Bible, and if you think it is, then you're you probably believe what you hear on the news. <laughs> the, like I, God had this, this started with, well, it originally started with having flat earth Dave. And I, it's not even about if the earth is flat or not, but it was like, okay, like, you know what? Maybe it could be hollow. It could be shaped like a pair of boobs. I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the fact is I don't really believe anything that I'm told by our government either. Yeah. So, I went from that and kind of escaped out of it. It's like, yeah, this NASA stuff is, you know, whatever. So that's when I started with this attitude. And then I'm reading Genesis the other day. And I started this new book, a uh, new devotional book. And it, was, it, had, it has the verses in it. And I'm reading Genesis. And the very first thing it talks about is pineal, which is not the pineal gland, but not the gland, but the, the place. Mm -hmm. But... In the word that I saw, it just jumped off the page and it said, the brain is the Garden of Eden and the forbidden fruit is the third eye. Now, I don't believe that the third eye is bad for us to tap into naturally. I do believe if we go and take a bunch of psychedelics to experience, that could be the part that's forbidden. Like you can naturally access this. But if you're trying to force it and manufacture it, that's you trying to play God. But that's a sidebar conversation. But when it just screamed off the page, the brain is the Garden of Eden. And I couldn't shake it. It was bothering me. I'm like, okay, that actually makes sense to me. But I got to sit with this for a while. And I did. And then I kept reading. And it kept jumping off the page and jumping off the page and jumping off the page. And I'm like, I got to pay attention to this. So I went and started researching. Now I'm at this place of like, okay, 
Now the pineal gland or the, the, the brain is the Garden of Eden. And so when I go back and read Genesis from that viewpoint, all of a sudden Genesis begins to make sense for the first time ever. Because the creation story to me is like, something's not right. Because I think there's two creation stories in Genesis that, and so like there's, there's some parts that have always bothered me enough to question it. Well, when I think of it as the brain, I all of a sudden change. So then with that, the Bible is making a lot of sense, but then it feels incomplete. I'm not being blasphemous, people. Chill out. It feels incomplete. So I'm starting to go, what about these other Gospels that were taken out of the original Bible? So I went and spent some time in one Enoch and the Gospel of Thomas. And I'm, you know what? It's lighting my spirit up as much as anything else that I've read in the Bibles. So then I go read some of the, the Gospel of Judas. I'm like, with that gummit, that sounds like what Jesus would say too. So <laughs> my point is that there is a disconnect. Like, I, you know, it's kind of like when they wanted us to separate with mass six, six feet apart. And it's almost like they, if they know that if we can put the whole piece together, then we're going to figure out the truth. So they right. divide us and separate us as much as possible and they put all these wedges between us so that we don't realize, one, that we're more alike than different, but two, that there's some truth in the spiritual but not religious and the followers of Jesus and religion. There's some truth in there that has been cut enough that it has us at odds with each other where we're fighting over theology and we're fighting over interpretations and we're fighting over books of the Bible and religions and other things. So I've gotten to this place. My faith in Jesus has not changed. Following Jesus is what is, a is, is, is my life of hell and evil and destruction and the pain and suffering that I caused other people and myself. It was following Jesus that freed me from that life and that renewed my mind and changed my heart and has changed everything. So I'm not walking away from my faith. However, there is more to our faith, more to God than we believe. And this is my final point, is that I think that religious people and even Christians and most followers of Jesus look as God as only this external thing where we have to go, God, come here. Where are you, God? When the whole time he's sitting right here inside of us also and the way that we treat our temple, the way that we treat our body, where God and the Holy Spirit dwells, has a lot to do with how much we hear from God. What do you think about that? Oh, that was a damn good sermon. <laughs> uh, so, well, one thing I love, you kind of ended with your hand right over your heart center there. And yeah, I'm covering so, my sweater. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... You, you cover a lot of really awesome things. Uh, you know, a lot of really wise people say everybody's at their own level of understanding. And so, uh, and, and it's why it's sometimes so freaking hard to communicate with people because I heard somebody say, you know, if you ever heard the term, there's an old soul or a young soul or a middle-aged soul, there's a lot of people that say on earth today, we have kindergartners and elementary school and junior high, high school, college, PhD levels all together. And so um, it's difficult 
to communicate with all these different what they call levels of consciousness. And you, I'm sure you've run into it. You, you can't talk some people out of these things until yeah. they're ready. And you've, I know I've experienced, and you probably have in your own journey, there was a time probably when you were 20, when you thought you had it figured out, and then 25, and maybe you changed your mind a little bit, and then 30, and then 35. And so I actually, you know, applaud people who use Jesus as uh, their teacher, their guide, because he is what I think at some level we're all aspiring to at our own pace. Does that make sense? And Yeah, um, we're given the grace to go at the pace yeah. that we go at. Yeah. And that's the yeah. most amazing part. Like we, yeah. I think what you were saying is, and I actually posted something very similar the other day that, you know, we walk out what we believe is true. We live in the truth that are like, or at least some of those that are intending to walk in truth, because some people want to live a lie, but those yeah. that intend to walk in truth, sometimes walk in that truth long enough to figure out that that's not really true. And, but yeah. God gives us the grace to figure that out. And I think that is a beautiful thing. I think it is too. And I don't think you can, okay, from my point of view, I don't think you can really see that unless you're here. I got to get a little taller. My hand over my heart center there. You know, I used to see these beautiful paintings and pictures of Jesus and Mary with their heart of flame and kind of leaping out of their chest. You know, as I understand it, the heart center is the center of God's love or divine love or Christ's love within us. And it's got to, it, it, it's a unique function. You know, you might be familiar with the chakra system and the yep. third eye, but the heart is unique because it unifies the body and the mind. It unifies all the chakras. It kind of opens you up completely. It, you know, it unifies the upper chakras that they sometimes call heaven and the lower ones they call earth. Uh, some, you know, it unifies masculine and feminine. It, it, you know, I heard somebody say it loves the whole show and um, it's the seed of compassion. And, you know, a lot of these people that are seeking um, mystical experiences and psychic stuff and third eye stuff, if they spend more time in the heart, the third eye will open quite naturally, but it'll be from a place of love and compassion, not from a place of fear and control. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely does. And that, yeah. I believe that's the dangerous part of people playing yeah. God and trying to open it themselves by, you know, forceful techniques or drugs or hallucinogenics. Like I, and again, I don't have a, a definite opinion yet on this or something I'm willing to state as fact. It's just a, a belief that I'm walking in, but I, I, I've noticed that since I've kind of gone on this journey now with the Lord and where he's, he's taking me and showing me to, to look and to read, it's answering these questions. It's like, yeah, that third eye I put it there for a reason. I put your pineal yeah. gland there for a reason. And yeah, you know what? The government puts fluoride in water and they don't, and the, and the foods that we eat can, can calcify your pineal gland. And those are, those are dangerous things. Absolutely. And, and then I have this thought of like, well, why, why are all these religious leaders waving on every statue? They've got a pine cone. Like, <laughs> this may be a pineapple, but whatever, work with me here. Um, <laughs> so, but they've got a pineapple. So they're like, and then they have the third eye symbolism and everything in, in the entertainment industry and in Hollywood. So it's like, okay, so are, what's going on? Where's the contradiction? 
I, I, and I, I believe that this is God's gift for all of us. However, he wants us to go about whether it's obedience, like walking in obedience, living the life, treating our body as a temple, like watching what we consume, what we listen to, watching the words that we say, then we can get to a place where our pineal or third eye will open naturally. And then God will speak to us from that place. And that's how we know that it's truly God. But when we start channeling other spirits or tapping into it with drugs and other things, well, we could be opening a portal to something we don't want to open. That's kind of where I'm at with it. So I don't really recommend anyone go off and try to open their third eye, especially if they've got a bunch of resentment and anger and other things going on in their heart, because you could be setting yourself up for some very interesting demonic experiences, at least in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not a, I was raised Catholic, but I, I stopped being Catholic when I was 14 when I was going to church and my mother went to church and wasn't covering her head anymore. And I said, Hey mom, it's a sin if you don't cover your head and you know, Oh, the church elders changed the rules. It's okay. If a woman goes to church without covering her head. And I was so aghast. I just suddenly occurred to me like, what the hell? You mean men make all these rules? I thought God was making all the rules. So I was very resistant. <laughs> that was the end of my religious education. So I'm not a good Catholic, but you know, in my book, I have a number of chapters one in particular, a long one, where I went through what I call a Jesus phase. And Jesus showed up regularly teaching me. And so uh, try and run from it, but there he was. And so there was a quote, and I'm not going to get this exactly right, but I think it effectively, it was, you know, seek first the kingdom and then all will be given to you. And so for me, that kingdom feels like divine love. And because I felt like that's what Jesus was really expressing. That was his fearlessness about going to heal and be with people from all walks of life. And um, and so I think that applies to anybody, not just a, uh, a Christian. Seek first the kingdom and then all will be given to you. And well, that kingdom it's, a, it's a principle. It, it's yeah. a universal principle that yeah. applies to everyone. You're exactly right. That we're given to live, you're going to experience the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Like that part across every religion has remained true. So now, does that bring up a lot of questions for me? Sure, it does, you know, but, and I'm not ready, I'm prepared to answer any of it because I do know I tried the universal God approach, I tried Hinduism, I tried Buddhism, I tried all of these other religions. And nothing truly, nothing did it for me. Mm -hmm. But I had my experience with the Holy Spirit, with God. And I mean, I, I won't go into the story now, but it's it's out there. And when I was in jail and I, the experience was supernatural and it was crying out for Jesus that did it. It was crying out for the Holy Spirit that did it. So that's why my faith can't be shaken by anything else that I hear because I know the exact process, who I was talking to, who my heart was pouring out to in the process. And that's what changed my life. But you know what? For me to sit there and talk about someone else's experience, that's not fair. And it's not right because I don't know what words they used. I don't know any of that stuff. And so 
you know, maybe that's why we have a diverse audience that listens to me <laughs> talk about my love for Jesus. I don't know. But I, I, I do know that we, we know less than we actually know. And there's been a lot that we should know that has made, been made almost impossible for us to find. But yeah. we are in that time in the, in this, in the, this, the, the, in the history of our planet that all that's hidden is being revealed. That means the, the truth that's been hidden from us about not just religions and gods and, 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 and aliens and, <laughs> and who, who our leaders really are and stuff like that. But I mean, it's all, it's all being uncovered. And I think that's what's happening right now amongst believers amongst just humans in general, whether you're a believer or not, they're awakening to, oh my gosh, this world is not exactly what I thought it was. And that is a pretty special place to be, I believe. I totally agree. And I think it's happening individually too, because it's not only are we seeing all the lies and things have been hidden and buried for who knows, hundreds or thousands of years, uh, coming to light now, but also individually, I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think each of us collectively and individually is learning to trust what I would call our own intuition. And so for That's me, true. a lot of my intuition comes in the form of dreams, not all. Um, and so I'll give you an example of really one of my favorite stories in my book, uh, True Story. This is a dream. Um, I'm, I'm fishing. I, I used to love to fly fish and I'm fishing and it feels, everything about it feels like the end of summer. It's like September and the sun is setting. It's this beautiful warm evening. I'm fishing and I'm, I'm cranky. I'm sitting there, I'm cranky about something. Anyway, somebody's tapping, I'm waiting waist deep in this river and somebody's tapping my shoulder and it's Jesus. True story. And it looks just like, um, a Christmas carol, you know, like my ghost of Christmas past is Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Well, and he takes me upstream along the river. We're following him. We'll, we'll go past all these farmers, and we go high up into the mountains where the stream is, and we see a bunch of um, crooks, thieves, cops, you know, graffiti, billboards, you know. There's like this war going on, you know. And Jesus just looks at me, and he says, John, this is not your true north. And that was the end. And he takes me all the way back downstream. We're literally walking on water and I'm waving to the farmers, even though they can't see us. And I go all the way back down and fishing. I knew what he was trying to tell me. I have this habit when I was young of fighting and being really argumentative. And he's like, nah, no more. You're an old man now. You can stop. You can love. You can be wise. You're not that fighter anymore. That was back when you were a teenager. And so, so Again, that was a very, but that's an example where I am starting to trust that more than anything else. And so I get dreams. I sometimes get little voices in my head, just little ones. Sometimes a little song gets planted in my head and I just crack up. And, and I don't think it's all that unusual. I remember Einstein said he could never figure out why 99% of the time when he was trying hard to solve something, he couldn't. But as soon as he gave up and took a shower, Boom, the idea was right there. And mm. he used to say, intuition is the gift. Logic is its faithful servant. But we've elevated the servant and forgotten the gift. And I, I would encourage everybody to try, you know, through that experience of love, to open to their own intuition, their own inner guidance. Because when you got that down, 
what goes on in the news and politics and everything, it's just not that important anymore. I, I get it is, but it's, it doesn't rattle you that much anymore. And that has been my 20 year journey is I didn't believe in any of this. And now that that trust in that is rock solid. And I, and I believe that intuition is God. I don't know any yeah. other thing to believe whether, I mean, and I'm, I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this because to emphasize a point, like my wife and I serve full time and give away everything, our broadcast network, the, the work that we do. I mean, we, we are in service full time because that's what we felt God leading us to do. And it makes zero sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> right. None. But that's what I felt led to do. And you know what? Anytime I try to go against that because I'm nervous about paying rent or nervous about bills or how am I going to do this or how am I going to do that? Like when I have faith and I just trust it all works out, I'm doing what my intuition, which I believe is God has instructed me to do over. And, and, and I, every time I try to fight, like I said, something bad would happen. But when I'm in obedience and I'm doing what my intuition God tells me to do, things work out amazingly. And oh, that's why that story. But and it's true. It's yeah. it so, but we that that same thing that that is drawing us to something or to trying to urge us to take a leap of faith and to do something scary, go up and talk to a stranger and say to them that God loves you exactly the way you are, and it makes no sense to you. But you say it, and in that moment, you see their face go, I was going to kill myself, and blah, blah, blah. And you're going, yeah. how yeah. would I have known that? Yeah. How would I have known this? I don't know who this person is. Like, where would that come from? Yeah. I believe that that is God. And so you're right. Too many of us, we drown that out with our anger, our rage, or we're, or we allow fear to creep in because we're listening to everything external instead of the only thing I believe to be true on this earth, and that is God that dwells everywhere, but also very much inside of us. I, damn, Joshua, that was your best sermon ever. You got a bunch of them today, but that was the best one. You know, those I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but those have been some of my favorite books is are people walking your path exactly. It doesn't make sense, but they're following what feels like guides or intuition. And it, life was kind of hanging on a thread sometimes. It's kind of on edge, but it keeps working. And uh, I think that's a lot of people's journey is that journey into trust. And it can be freaking scary. There's a book I love. Uh, it's a crazy name uh, by Lorna Byrne called Angels in My Hair. And she was raised Irish Catholic. And she sees uh, angels and it sees angels from from birth in fact she was labeled i think uh i forget not stupid or ignorant but she would never be looking people in the eyes because she would see angels around people all the time so they thought she wasn't intelligent couldn't do well in school and um in her version of reality we all every single one of us has a guardian angel and every single one of us has that guardian angel whispering in our ear but most of us just ain't listening. But she, and now today she wrote that book. It was a huge bestseller. She's written a bunch of others. She's doing great. 
But boy, life was not easy for the first 40 years of her life. She was kind of hanging by a thread, but I think she was kind of learning that same trust, 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 trust. You're not, we're not going to let you go over the edge. You're not going to die. Just trust and keep going. And uh, so I love what you're doing, brother. And, and uh, the part of me that likes to have a lot of money squirreled away gets a little squirmish listening to it, but I totally hear you. <laughs> hey, I'm spoiled rotten. I mean, I, I, I grew up a country club kid, and I, I mean, I knew what success looked like. I was going to black tie events as a punk kid, <laughs> spending all day at the country club. I mean, that was my life. I mean, so I yeah. like nice things. But the last car I owned was a $105,000 BMW that I was homeless in. So I, <laughs> I kind of learned, you know, yeah. I got humbled because I was a yeah. cocky prick. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I was... Yeah. I was the worst and I, I still work on it. Like I, you know, I got ego that wants to creep in, yeah. but I really feel like this was an important lesson for me because it did help me break my ego. It taught me to learn how to trust God, not anyone yeah. else. I actually really have a hard time trusting people. I'm working on it because <laughs> um, I mean, we live in a world that's just full of deceit and lies and confusion. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not putting my faith and trust in anyone else. Um, but I am going to trust enough to act in love and to try to do my best to be love because I do want to be not just Christ-like, but I want to be an example to other people. I also want to be that example of somebody who lost everything, publicly embarrassed themselves, has you know lived the worst, most evil, broken life possible, and then makes the decision to give his life to the Lord and then start living in faith by, well, serving full-time and serving with media and broadcasting like very expensive things. Yeah. And you know what? I got to tell you, not only has my faith muscle been exercised so much that there's nothing that God would tell me to do that I wouldn't do. Um, and then the other part is that I get to see miracles every day. Yeah. And I like that life. You talk about, I don't see angels. I mean, I guess if I was tripping on mushrooms or something a while back, <laughs> but I mean, I don't see him now. I don't necessarily see in the spirit world or the courtrooms of heaven and other things that other people say that they experience. I, I've never experienced that. But what I do get are some really interesting downloads, visions, or dreams, or all of them together at one time. God showing me things that are, it's pretty amazing. And I get to go act on those things. And that to me is quite the dream life. I mean, it's isolating and lonely sometimes, even, you know, being married and with kids, but the life we've chosen to live is, uh, is pretty scary, <laughs> but yeah. it's also beautiful because again, we get to see miracles every day. And I don't know about you. I love seeing miracles because what else builds your faith? You know, I mean, I love it, right. but faith really, I'm sorry, but miracles have a tendency to really, really sharpen your faith. I'm with you. That's that's half my damn book. I mean, in fact, probably most of my book is just things that I was convinced weren't possible or somebody's imagination, make believe, you know, and uh, one, you know, I, in fact, the title, the synchronicity of love, what I was trying to explore was the more you, to the best of your ability, try and be love, be in that state of love, it's the more miracles happen, the more coincidences happen, the more things my logical mind says, what the hell? What are the chances of that? 
And that happens again and again. The little things, like you said, the trust your intuition to say something to somebody and then they break down and or or even the reverse. Sometimes my little voice says, shut up, don't say anything. Just listen to it. <laughs> but, you know, out of my ear, I have a mouthy ego too. And sometimes I override that little voice that says, just, just do this, you know? And, uh, and I'm still learning to listen to that quiet little voice that says, no, don't say anything, just let them talk, you know? And, and just, just love them, you know? So, and, uh, and so I, I heard somebody say those sort of miracles are so important for people who are thirsty or um, those little miracles saying, just like you, I get dreams, I get downloads, I trust them, I follow them. It adds a certain level of enchantment to life that wasn't there before. Yeah. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. I, I love that. And this, so synchronicity is another word. And I, and I, most, it's a, it's a common word, synchronicity. Um, But I heard it used, I had a guy on, um, it's been probably six months or so. He is a, what is the, the, the type of scientist? Neos, neuro, not not neuroscientist. Um, Oh, fart. I forgot. It's, I've never actually heard the term, but it's a newetic noetic scientist yeah and i i didn't i still don't know a whole lot about it but one of the things that they speak about are these supernatural like synchronicities yeah and so ever since i had him on i've started to notice and it's also probably coincided with my heart opening up more and so on to go with the synchronicity of love but i've noticed these very unusual uh, unusual and they're relatively foreign to me synchronicities where i can think of a food and see it show up in my life three different ways that same day i can think <laughs> of a person you know, normally if you think of the person they call i think of the person and next thing i know i'm getting an email from them then someone else is talking about them in another conversation and then i'm seeing something about them in an article or TV, like it, again, it's coming in threes in three different ways. Yeah. And I'm seeing it almost every single day. And it's been like this for the last month. I can't <laughs> explain it. I don't know what it is, but it really trips me out every single time. Do you know what that is? Uh, I, I can't speak knowledgeably as a scientist. Um, I can tell you, and you, you probably, you've probably had this experience. I, I want to say the more I know, the more I realize how freaking little I know. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's the journey's awesome, but it's really humbling too. And, um, and so I think in our 3d human world, we have time, but it's just sort of an artificial construct and we all buy into it. We all use it. I don't think it's a conspiracy. It's just kind of how it is. But um, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure I know how to put it into words. I think in some ways uh, time isn't linear in the way we think it is. That's number one. And two, I actually think our lives might be a little more scripted than we know, which is why surrendering makes things easier, not harder. You know, I, I totally honor, we all, we all have free will. It's true. But I sometimes think in the bigger picture, I, I'm going to loosely call it, you could, your soul or God, he, she, it is what's really in charge. 
And so when you start to have these, uh, you know, literally mind opening experiences, um, I want to, I, I want to tell you, hang on to things because it can be, it can be really disruptive. You know, I'm kind of a very grounded rooted kind of guy. And sometimes they can really throw you for a loop. Like what the hell, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I had somebody tell me once, cause I, I tend to overthink things. He goes, you know, it's good when you're processing something, it's good to let it go once in a while, you know, just say, well, I beat that thought up to death. I think I'm going to let that go for a while now. <laughs> Cause I don't think you can always think these things. It more becomes, I don't know, it kind of just becomes a part of you and, and it's better sometimes to not overthink it. I, I don't right. know if that's answering your question. The answer is I don't really know, but it's fascinating. So I was in my Bible today when I was reading, um, there was a commentary, well, leading up to what I read in the Bible, it was a commentary on Mark. And that was reminded of the word upside down kingdom, which reminded me of the word paradox. Yeah. Like to live, we have to die to ourself. Right. You know, that's, that's living. And to be the most powerful place we can be is in surrender. Yeah. And like, in, so what you're saying remind, it also is reminding me of that thought. And it's true. It's, it's, it's almost like we're supposed to live exactly the opposite of what we've <laughs> been told. And it yeah. seems to work like our food, like even the, the food pyramids out of whack, <laughs> like that didn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. um, our education system is an indoctrination. It's not learning. I'm reading a book. Hold on. I'm going to grab it. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm shocked how few people know about this book. But have you ever heard of Neothink? No, but it looks like a beast. Big book. Oh, I'm writing it down. It's a monster. It's 1,500 pages long. No. <laughs> it is 1,200 pages long. Whew. It is... <clears throat> When you start reading, if you if you read it, um, you, you, it's truly it's the secrets of the universe, secrets of life book wrapped into a story about grade school kids, <laughs> and and it is I I don't know if it's a true story or not. I'm literally only on chapter twelve of and I've got a ways to go. But I got to tell you, there's not a page that goes by and there it's a, it's you, it's easy to read, but there's so much meat on every, and this is interwoven into basically a children's story. And it is the most powerful book, but essentially it's about truth. And, and it's about getting to the essence of things, not what our eyes perceive, not our perceptions, not what we think, but literally getting to the truth and the true essence of things. Yeah. And it has shifted my mind on life and everything. And it, and again, it's another one of those books that really kind of makes the Bible make even more practical sense. It's less of a, you know, story hour. And some people could say it's folklore or made up stories, or I, I don't know about any of that. Cause you know, there's historical stuff and I'm not, ready for those arguments because I it, the fact is I love the Bible I love what's in it I really love the parts that were taken out because I've added them back in and I read that <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. But now it's like when I read other books like that, even when it may appear like it's contradicting my beliefs, what I'm finding is it's sharpening my beliefs and, and it's rooting my faith even deeper. And I love that. But the way that you speak and you communicate, I've never, I don't really show that book to a lot of people, but the way that you speak in this path and journey that you're on, especially with love, it made me think that I should show you this book for you to read. Because it will really, blow your mind. It is I already so, wrote it down. I don't know if they've ever, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a movie or, you know, they'll turn it into a movie. I have no idea. But it's moving, to say the least. Um, anyway, there was one other thing I want to ask you. Sure. Because I, I kind of touched on it, but I skipped over it. And I made this note. With because one of the parts you let's see transform, awaken, and heal. Mm -hmm. When we because one of the things that people are awakening to is that they've been lied to. No right. one likes to be lied to, no one likes to be stolen from either. Um, right. even if you're a stealer, you don't want to be stolen from, <laughs> and it, 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 you don't want that to you. No one it doesn't feel good. So if we're waking up to the reality that the reality that we've been told that we're living in is not true, and we're really upset about discovering these lies, that's going to weigh really heavy for some people. Not everybody is awakened yet. More people will be. But when they do, there's going to be a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, and a lot of other things going on. A lot of confusion. A lot of some people just won't believe the truth when they see it. There's going to be some of that. But with love being so important in, in, in every sense of the word, everything that love really is, how are we going to be able to help people get to that place of love on this supernatural level that we've been speaking about when most people's worlds are going to be shattered? in discovering this truth? Yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's your best question ever. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, I think, uh, first of all, I think patience. Anytime something like that happens to people, yep, there's going to be backlash. I think in my own case, uh, time after time, I would push back completely later to go, oh, Maybe they are telling the truth. Maybe they're right. God damn it. You know? And, uh, and so I think just patience with people, compassion, I believe not everybody does that even the, the manipulators and the controllers are not healed and awake either. We've got to have compassion for the ones that are hiding things too. Why are they hiding things? Probably for the same reason the rest of us struggle. They got their own issues around fear and scarcity. Um, <clears throat> and so, um, and, you know, one of the things that enriches the media nowadays is uh, preying on people's egos, getting them to take sides. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? You know, and you see the media has gone, not that media has ever been perfect, but the true journalists who tried to take an unbiased view of things, they're like history now. And so now media, everybody's kind of speaking to their own peeps. And so I think just a broader understanding, compassion, patience, people are going to get to that more, you know, um, 
I, I want to give you a story I told my book. And this isn't for everybody, but I, I think you'll get the, the deeper meaning to this. And this ultimately was a message from Christ. Um, I went on a, uh, with my wife to England on a tour of sacred sites throughout England. And so we went to Stonehenge and a bunch of, yeah, it was really cool. Everything was cool about it. All the people on the trip were cool. Everything was trip, except I freaking hated our tour group leader. <laughs> That's the worst. She was this, I know. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be stuck with this woman for 10 days. And she was like <laughs> six feet tall. She was mouthy, blustery, self-centered. You know, she's like a passionate Italian, but with none of the joy. She was all, you know, <laughs> anger and conspiracies. And, and, and I'm like, ah, I can't stand her, you know. And so I had heard of this healing process. It was Hawaiian called Ho'oponopono. And I'm not even sure I understood it very well. But the idea is to uh, go into your heart and see that person as a part of you. And so I sat there, and by the way, when we went, it was a freakish once in every hundred year heat wave. It was a hundred degrees every day and nothing in England is air conditioned. We'd hang out in the freezers in the grocery store. <laughs> it was so bloody hot. We were in these little hotels on the third floor with no air conditioning. So, and you know, eight hour time difference. So it wasn't like I was getting any sleep. So I'm laying there in the night saying over and over again, I'm trying to picture this tour group leader who I can't stand. And I keep looking at her going, and I keep saying, I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. As if she was a part of me, as if I was rejecting that part of me that's mouthy, blustery, self-centered, loves a good conspiracy theory. And I do have that part of me, but, you know. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and I kept, I, would, I did it for a whole hour, you know, and the next morning I wake up, I go downstairs and I shit you not. It's like we're best friends. We're throwing our arms around each other, hugging each other like longtime pals. And now I don't, now I can't, it's not that I can't stand her. Now I think she's funny. And then she shares candidly that, you know, she had some problems with her father growing up, some really difficult problems. And I was just kind of going, well, maybe she's just, you know, because she seemed kind of anti-man. Let's just put it that way. Anti-patriarchy, wanted to kill George Bush. You know, all those damn Republicans, you know, kill the patriarchy. <laughs> and then she candidly pulls me aside and says, you know, I usually have women on my tours and the guys that come are either gay or conspiracy theorists and you're neither one. And that's kind of weird for me. <laughs> and, you know, well, and, and all these beautiful things happened. We went, it sounds funny, we meditated in a crop circle, but I couldn't seem to meditate. So I just walked a circle around all these women meditating and she comes up like, Thank you for walking around. It made me feel so safe. It's like, oh, I didn't know I was doing that, you know? And then we go to Stonehenge. We had private sunrise ceremony at Stonehenge. And I pulled her aside and said, you know, uh, thank you for putting this whole tour together. It must have taken a lot of courage to get these people from all over the world. You got all these crazy logistics. And she starts crying and says, you have no idea how much that means to me. Like, thank you. And so I wrote a story about that in my book, True Story. And I ended it with the quote from Jesus. He said, Love your neighbor as yourself. And so that is so profound from the point of view of the heart. When you see that guy or woman out there, you can't stand. There's some element of you in that other person. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so am I really good at practicing that day in and out? No. But that experience stuck with me. And, it's, and so um, that's a long answer to your question. I think patience forgiveness, compassion. A lot of people are, like you said, going through it now and it maybe it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um. 
I, I, I love that example that you gave. I learned something. I think what I try not to say the word, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll apologize. Yeah. But there's a whole, I'm sensitive to words. And, and this yeah. is something I'm working on myself to, you know, work through. But one of the things that I do is I, when I'm in a, a, a could potential <laughs> bad moment, because <laughs> I have a temper and uh, <laughs> I've worked on it and I, yeah. and I've done better, but I am also feisty and I love to argue and I also <laughs> love to be right. And I, I'm flawed. Um, but no wonder I love being what I try to do is whisper. I love you under my breath before I actually speak. Yeah. And I found that it's really, really challenging to tell someone to go F themselves when you're saying, I love you right before. I, it is almost impossible. So I, I do something similar because again, my, I'm, I'm a fighter. And when I fight, I want the death blow as quickly as possible. Like, I just want to sever your head. I'm not literally, I mean, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like I want to end it. So I'm going to go for the thing that I know is going to hurt you the worst, right. which is not exactly the most Jesus <laughs> Christ-like example. But and that is where I'm coming from as far as anger and rage and, you know, being violent the way that I was. That's one of the ways that I've helped trick myself to keep me from saying things that I can't take back. So yeah. I really love your example. Ah, thank you very much. Yeah. So in your book, let's, yeah. um, and we'll wind it down after this, but in your yeah. book, the, um, in the, in the stories that you're sharing, out of all the stories that are in your book, what was the one that probably took you by the most surprise? God. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's one I almost hesitate to share over the air. Oh, uh, then do it, please. That's okay, the one. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you the whole story. So for some of your more uh, fundamentalist listeners, hang in there till the end. So I'm dating, remember the gal I started dating, uh, but I couldn't keep up with running because I had the bad chest cold. So yeah. three months later, we're dating and we uh, we had Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now. And in the back of that, it's it's split into three parts. And um, and Ram Dass, from my point of view, is teaching nothing but love too. That's just, that's his teaching. But the back of the book, he's got all these spiritual practices and exercises he calls spiritual cookbook. And so I'm with my cool, hot girlfriend who wants to, likes to experiment too. And like, wouldn't it be cool if we just open one of these exercises and just, you know, close our eyes and just point to it. Whatever that is, we'll do it. Yeah, let's try it. So we open the book with our eyes closed, point to it. And the one exercise I point to is called an exercise in sexual tantra. Oh, like, tantra. Oh, all right, oh, this is going to be great. I got my new girlfriend. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, so true story. Um at the time, the whole process I was going through was probably letting go of my very rigid, ras uh, rigid, rational masculine and opening up to what people would call my more feminine side. And even right down to being in therapy, letting myself be vulnerable, you know, being a better listener instead of just talking, being loving instead of just fighting. <clears throat> and so the exercise was you make love, but you offer up the pleasurable feelings to the divine masculine, the divine feminine, you could offer it up to Jesus if you wanted. It was, it was an offering. It was an exercise in devotion. So the pleasure you feel is given 
as I'm offering. I've never done this before, so <laughs> I'm just following the instructions. And so uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, used to pray to Mary all the time. And so we said, okay, well, let's let's try this. We'll give it up for the Divine Mother, or Divine Feminine. Okay, cool. So it goes on for 20 minutes. And if anything's supposed to be happening, it's not happening to me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I just want good old mortal sex with my hot girlfriend. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I want to pray before sex, but. <laughs> well, anyway, and I look up and I, I kid you not, I had high ceilings in my bedroom at the time. There was Mother Mary as clear as day. And I don't have, I can count on one hand the number of visual experiences I've had awake. She's in what I think you would call her light body. She's hovering up on the northeast part of the ceiling, looking at, and she's not like a, a ghost where I have to kind of squint to see it. She's as clear as day hovering there. And I and I go to tell my girlfriend, like, holy shit, Mother Mary's in her bedroom. Because I could see her the way I was facing. She had her back to her. Okay, this gets even weirder. Suddenly, Mary comes into my body and fills it with love a thousand times greater than any drug. Like so much so, I, my instant impression was my body is going to blow up. Like it was too much ecstasy. I know, this sounds weird. And then proceeds to pour this immense love into my girlfriend. John, whatever that is, was like swept aside and going, what the hell is going on? And she's just... The, the love is beyond belief and it's coming out of every pore in my body. It's coming out of my eyes. And she cradles her face as if to say, I love you. And just when I thought my body was going to blow up from too much love, it ended. And so uh, you wanted the most over the top, you know, life altering story. And so, and weirdly, my girlfriend at the time had just moved to Seattle. She was a loud mouth, feisty New Yorker, had a hell of a mouth on her, couldn't figure out why the people in Seattle were so in her words, fucking passive aggressive, you know. And um, and I would say over the next 10 years, she is now a spiritual teacher. Now she used to drive down the road, honking her horn, flipping people off. She kind of still is that way a little bit, but now she's a spiritual teacher and, uh, and she's really successful at what she does. And uh, something happened in that, and, I have one or two other, not quite as dramatic as that, experiences like that where something moved through me on behalf of another and transformed that. One of them was, it felt like Christ moving through me, literally. But this is the humbling part. John, whatever that is, gets swept aside. I don't do it. It just happens. You know, you heard Jesus say, not I, but the Father worketh through me. That's the experience. I would love to say, woohoo. I don't know. It just it just happened, and so um, yeah, it was it was difficult for her too because she just said nobody has ever looked at me or loved me like that in my entire life. She had a lot of issues around self worth and self love, and she'd been adopted and she was young, and she had a lot of stuff to work through. And uh, um, I think everything began to shift in her life after that. And uh, I know, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't I don't discount that story at all yeah. because yeah. I, I I don't I mean I I've yeah. seen too many things in my life of course most of them yeah. are on drugs um, yeah. but I, I I and I've heard stories like this and I I don't understand it so I'm not gonna dismiss it but I what yeah. I the first thought that comes to mind as you share the story is like 
you know, I, you hear preachers say, invite Christ into your bedroom. I just never yeah. considered having a threesome with Jesus, you know, or Mary for that matter. <laughs> and, and I, and I've never dawned on that, but I do know from some of the more witchcraft based and evil sexual seance stuff that I've done, we were attempting to do the same thing, but not yeah. with Jesus and not with Mary or anything holy. Um, and it, so that's similar. So that reminds me of that. But I really believe that this is one of those things where I'm pretty sure if a study was done, it's talking about this, not maybe the way that you talked about it in the Bible. And there may there may be something to that. And then we get into this whole thing about language and the words we use. And God has many names, many, many names. And so, and, and so I'm not a language police guy about what, you know, intuition is that God is it the Holy Spirit. What is that? I don't know, but I do know that it's something supernatural that's dwelling inside of me. And I like to think of it as God. So I, I love these kinds of stories. I love everything that you've shared today. And again, I, don't, I may not necessarily align hundred percent, but I do believe that the faith that people think that they're walking out as Christians and as believers or as religious people. And then this faith walk that you're talking about are closer to being similar than different. You know what I mean? And it's, and that, yeah. and I don't know if any of us has every single answer to that equation of our faith. I mean, after all, faith is what is faith? It's not necessarily anything that we can touch. Cause if I can touch it, then I, well, I mean, is it really faith that I'm yeah. that I'm having? So I, I like these discussions, and again, it doesn't mean that you know every uh, a, a way of thinking is going to change immediately or or whatever. But it does bring a lot of things to the surface that are worth speaking about, especially when we're trying to understand who exactly are we, what is our real power, what is it that we're really doing here, why is sex so powerful. These are all really powerful subjects and things that need to be discussed and really discussed further. Because yeah. right now, I don't know too many people that feel uncertain or feel a little bit broken, a little bit hurt right now. And I think that the only way to answer that is really, really being able to immerse and embrace ourselves in every aspect of love. And I, I, I like that, that you, this is the direction that you're heading down. Is there yeah. anything else about your book that you would like to share with the audience? Well, uh, they weren't all stories like what happened with Mary. That was just the most staggering out of the blue. And another yeah, one of those. The Kama Sutra part two. Yeah. You, uh, you know. well, weirdly, I found a lady online years later that she was a very sweet Christian lady. And she does, she called them full body channelings of Mary. And I thought, that must have been what happened to me. She called them full body channelings of Mary. And I've never heard of or seen such a thing before. That's what she does. So, but what I want to say is, um, um, I have a lot of what I would call real life stories too. I, I had, you know, a difficult time with my daughter. You know, she was a good girl and decided to be a monster bad girl for a while. And, and so I share a lot of real life stories too, because for a period of time, I was a single dad with two kids, 9-11, custody of them hanging by a thread financially for years, like just, you know, one inch from going under drowning. 
And at the same time, going through this huge spiritual awakening, I think in Christian terminology in the early days, I had a lot of what they would call uh, activity of the Holy Spirit. So there was a lot of, I'll just loosely call it energy, a lot of it, uh, that did fade over time. Uh, but I, I share real life stories too, because I, I, you know, not everybody that goes through a transformation like this can run off to the, you know, the monastery or the ashram or out in the woods. And so I kind of had to learn to do both. And it was a dance sometimes. And I heard you say earlier, sometimes when you're very connected to all those downloads and intuition stuff, it can feel a little lonely sometimes. And uh, I remember somebody saying once, yeah, it's like you used to love to go bowling with all your friends, but now you don't like to go bowling anymore. And so what do you do? And so the journey also felt like, and to this day, it feels the same way, identity shifts over and mm -hmm. over and over again. Like, I don't think I'm that same person I was last year. Oh, shit. And then just the right time you get settled, ah, now it's changing again. And so uh, I talked to somebody just the other day and he goes, yeah, but it just never ends. So it's like, I think I have to accept that there is no beginning, middle end. Uh, I mean, the ultimate end might be at one with God. Okay, that might be the end. But getting there is just, this is how I see the world now. And a year later, now I'm interacting with the world differently again. So that's what I would like to say. There's a lot of rich spiritual experiences, a lot of interesting dreams and downloads like you talked about, a lot of just real life stuff. It, the book opens with me uh, basically at what I perceive to be rock bottom. And, um, and so, and I wrote it uh, 119 short stories because I have a short attention span and I like reading a book that I can just randomly open to and just read a short story or two. And uh and those are my favorite kind of books. Uh, Michael Creighton wrote an autobiography called Travels. I hope anybody knows about. That was the book that opened everything in my life for me because he was also a very kind of rigid, rational viewpoint of life and realized how much he'd been limiting himself and started trying to, like, just like you're doing, like, screw it. I'm going to go read those books myself. I'm going to go experience yeah. these things myself. I'm not going to listen to what friends and family and the news tells me. And I was very inspired by that. So uh, I try to write my book the same way. I love that. And I have a short attention span too. We uh, developed a writing technique to help us actually write our book because yeah. I would, I mean, I'll, I, I seriously, if I see a squirrel in my backyard, you, I may lose 20 seconds with you because I'm like, oh, that's cute. Like, <laughs> so writing is tough and my yeah. mind is always going a thousand miles an hour, but we figured out a way to, to be able to help write, but I, I also like short stories too, because it's, yeah. you can say, it, <clears throat> although I do enjoy those longer stories that take a while to develop, like Neothink, that, this, yeah. that's one of those long, but at the same time, I can also really, really enjoy episodics of 10 minutes and eight minutes and six minutes and 15 minutes. Like I, I can get into that just as much. And frankly, it's easier for my brain to digest it that way anyway. So I, I learned a lot from check out your book. Yeah. Are you still in the, um, the, the consumer product business? Also? No, I sold my company three years ago. So I'm in the hawking my book business now. Uh, that's a fun <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I have some experience actually how I got into media was through having, how I got into entertainment was through having products and then OEM, and then that opened the doors to media and everything else. But I, you know, working with OEMs, whether it was skincare, cosmetics, 
uh, different little devices and products. Like yeah. I love that. I, I love that industry. It's so much fun. Also wow. like it when there's, you know, a company with integrity, because that's the problem with those businesses. You know, there's a lot of cutting corners. There's a lot of s stepping on. Of course, that's a drug term, but they do it with supplements too. Yeah. <laughs> stepping on and lesser quality. And, you know, I, I learned a lot of things that bothered me. But again, what motivated us to go into media was to try to reverse all those things. Because yeah. I think part of loving people is wanting that, them to have the best. And the way that these corporate giants treat us sometimes is that we're stupid and we're going to fall for clever marketing and, you know, fancy brochures. I'm not that yeah. guy. So well, anyway. a lot of people still do, sadly, but it's true. <laughs> well, you can't trust even reading the ingredients on the back of a, a of a label. That's not telling you anything. Yeah. That's not telling you the true quality. It, like people, we know what we're not taught the questions that we should be asking. And we can't even trust customer reviews anymore. That's a that's a whole other thing. But we're not going to spend any time on that because I could go on. I'd keep you here for five hours talking about that because I am really mad about that one. Yeah. Um, John, I I really love this conversation. I enjoyed it. And um, I really love what you're doing. And I'm grateful for your time today because we've been talking for an hour and 30 minutes and it felt like five minutes. So. Thank you for being here. I really, really enjoyed this, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Ah, thank you so much, Joshua. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was a joy. Awesome, man. Well, we'll see you soon. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Bye. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Are you there? Sorry. I'm here, I'm here. Tell everybody where they can buy your book. We have a media, we oh. create a media kit, and we'll have all that in there. But why don't you okay. tell the audience where they can buy your books? Yeah, uh, that place with all the reviews, Amazon.com. So, <laughs> yeah, it's called the Those Synchronicity. Those are real reviews, though. Yeah, Synchronicity of Love, um, and the little subtitle, Stories That Heal, Transform, and Awaken. I'd love for you to check it out. Awesome. Thank you, sir. See you soon. Okay. Thank you, Joshua. Bye-bye. Bye. Man, that was interesting. I want to read his book, too. His journey seems, it's not the same journey, but it's, you know, sometimes journeys kind of mirror each other or there's things that remind you. And there was a lot of his that reminded me of seeking to love. And look, I'm sure some people felt like what I said was blasphemous. I'm not trying to be blasphemous. I'm just saying that we don't have all the answers. And it's okay to ask. It's okay, it's okay to seek. Seek and you will find. And I mean, mind you, you seek the Lord, you're going to find him. But to me, God's in everything. And I'm not being new age. God is in you. God is in me. God is in those trees, in my grass. I don't know if he really resides in a duck. I know he created the duck. I guess he could reside. Of course, if a duck started talking to me, that would be strange. I'm only saying that because I can see a duck out my window. Anyway. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting three seasons of a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. Um, I think there was probably 60 episodes in those three seasons. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thank you. I'm really excited about what's next because I believe what's next is the dress rehearsal to lead to what God put in my heart to begin with this entire journey.
Meaning, you know, when God gives you a download or a vision and he shows you what's possible and what he has for you, he shows you, you know, that bigger picture. You don't see the stuff that leads up to it. Typically you see the big picture. Well, what we're doing next, I believe is the step to the bigger picture that he showed, but it's in God's hands, not mine. So thank you for watching the last conversation with Joshua T. Bartlett. God bless you.